Welcome back, Rebels. Hello. So we've got a special one for you this week. This is part two of Adam on David, David on Adam, which sounds like a, a wonderful movie. Oh, not not one I want to watch. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, today I'm going to be interviewing David as heavily requested by you guys. How are you feeling about this, David? Uh, I feel very nervous, actually. Um, this is... Uh... I don't know, I feel pressure, pressure to deliver value, to be a good interviewee. I know I'm a good interviewer. <laughs> yeah, you've done enough of that. But you've also done a lot of interviews on other people's podcasts as well. It's true, but I do feel more pressure because it's our show and it's you. And and I just, yeah, I want it to be good. Um, so we're going to start off with, I sent you over a list of questions beforehand, but I'm going to start off with one that's not actually on this list. So um, I just thought of it last night and I was like, actually, this is something I've known you for 10 years and I don't actually know the answer to this question. Um, so I know how you first started doing graffiti but what was it that first got you into art like do you remember that like being a kid and like being like okay creativity is the one arts what I want to do hmm that is a good question so I, I would say as a kid I didn't know that art was what I wanted to do um I was never I was always interested in it but I never showed any sort of like quote-unquote natural talent which you know I have a whole thing about but um because I don't think anyone has natural talent but it, it wasn't something that I was like throwing myself into it was something that I did sporadically because I really enjoyed it but I mean I got a C for GCSE art um I was never like shown as the known as the arty one or whatever um and that that came much later but the the moment specifically I remember like really loving art-based activities was um, a colouring book that I had from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was probably like five or six years old and actually Yona tracked down a copy of of that colouring book like with blank pages um, and got it for me for Christmas which is like really special. I loved cartoons, I loved Masters of the Universe, Star Wars, anything like that. I was always like drawing characters Um, but I think that the school system wouldn't wasn't like telling me that there was anything that I could do with art. It wasn't saying that art was valuable in any sort of way. It was something that I did for fun and I enjoyed, but there was it was never seen as important. So it wasn't really something that I pursued. And then falling into graffiti, I I wasn't I was like eighteen when I first started painting, and for for like most graffiti artists they probably get into it when they're like 13 14 um so i found it much later but that's because it was very different then and you had to be kind of invited in you had to know someone um to to do it that way so so yeah it wasn't until i was 18 that i started painting and then that was when i was like really throwing myself into it because i found a way of like I always love drawing on paper but all of a sudden I can take these sketches on paper and I can magnify them 10 times on the wall and that was really exciting for me so that that drove the that drove the kind of dedication towards it realizing still at this point still not thinking that it would be a career still being told that it wasn't important still being told that like this is this is not something that I should be doing but none of that mattered because like just the passion for it was there yeah whereas when I was younger it was like I was definitely drawing I was definitely interested but I hadn't like hadn't fully gone down that route to like turn it into a passion going back to the coloring book what was it about that that you enjoyed doing do you reckon that was again you were very young at the time so this is a long time ago um 
what was it about that that you think really drew you into it? Because obviously, like, a coloring book's an interesting one because you're not actually creating anything, but it's all process. Like, you're all, it's all about just the doing. Do you think it was that doing that drew you to it over kind of actually doing something else? I'd say it was probably flow state. I probably got into flow state as a six-year-old and didn't realize what it was, but just spending hours and and sort of the although yeah you've got the outlines there for you I would like I would like draw in the edges I would add extra characters um, and then you've got the whole creativity of of like it's a black and white page you can use any color that you want and that was exciting mm. for me so I think that yeah I think I probably was just getting into flow and just didn't realize it I think that's really interesting because obviously there's lots of like adult coloring books out there now and. I think for a lot of people who don't see themselves as creative and have never done something before, like I can now see a bit more benefit to those adult colouring books where it's like actually someone could get into flow state and they might have never been in flow state before in like an entertaining way. They might have kind of done it at work, but it's interesting, yeah, how flow state can start. A hundred percent. That's 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 your entry point. I think that the adult colouring books are like really actually a really important thing for someone yeah. who's not been on that journey yet that can be your first taste of because it's it's an easy entry level but you can do so much within those confines and i think it's it's the flow state is the most important thing i thought something that i'm always talking about with my with my videos people look at my my instagram or my tiktok and they see a 10 second video of me putting together a painting which takes me seven hours and it's like there has to be more for me than the need to produce the content it's like the actual pro i have to love the actual process because other they i just wouldn't continue if i was going to yeah. be out there in the cold every day for seven hours creating a painting just to then put it into a 10 second form that's going to be on someone's feed for like t- 10 seconds and then they're going to yeah. scroll on it's like that's not that's not sustaining enough it's like you have it there has to be love within that process within the actual making otherwise you're setting yourself up for failure i think that's definitely something that we should look into further because yeah just being able to trigger that getting people into creativity i think is a really important way to do it so yes if you know anyone out there who doesn't see themselves as creative and maybe wants to get started maybe that coloring book could be that first little intro so moving on now i know like in your earlier life you struggled with ME for like a number of years what kind of positives did you take out of that and did kind of art and creativity help you in any way um that was probably yeah probably the hardest point of my life I would say I was 17 where I I've been diagnosed by different people some people said ME some people said chronic fatigue syndrome and I know that we've had listeners write to us who have struggled with similar just kind of debilitating illnesses and so for five years uh, I struggled with that and I was sleeping in 18 hour blocks be awake for like five or six hours and then go back to sleep for another 18 hours and I think I probably had like a quite a healthy dose of depression thrown into that Um, and that's only me looking back like during it I didn't know what was illness what was uh, depression wasn't even a thing that I was thinking about but reflecting on it I think that was definitely present and I think so much of that was coming from like at 17 I'd not developed 17 to 22 I'd not developed really any skills like I said I wasn't seen as the creative one or the arty one there was nothing but I 
felt like I could do more. I felt that I could be more. Like I I had this this kind of like feeling inside me that like I that was destined for something but then not knowing what that is sort of living with the with the limiting belief that there are extraordinary people and there are regular people and feeling like I could be one of the extraordinary people but but there being no supporting evidence I didn't have anyone telling me that I didn't yeah. have any particular skill I hadn't developed anything that that would get me to that um, and really the only things that I had in my life were uh, well other than my parents who like looked after me for that five-year period which I, I will forever be grateful for um, all I had was like a little part-time job at Virgin Megastores which I would like my mum would literally be shouting at me for hours beforehand to get me up to go to that job and um and like so many times I'd call in sick or whatever and they were like super supportive and, and helped me through it. Um and painting graffiti. And those were the only two sort of light points in my life at that time. So um it was very difficult and I like have so much empathy for anyone that that is in that is kind of stuck into that. I feel like if I'd had more hope during that time then maybe I would have got over it quicker um because yeah. it was it was gradual routine that that got me out of it and I mean even now like you know me like I'll I'll crash out sometimes and sometimes I'll be like right I've got to go because I have to sleep within the next hour otherwise I'm gonna be fast. yeah yeah and they say that kind of when you've recovered that you're 70 percent of what you would have been um so there's always kind of that cloud of my head that I'll never be fully better because I do get really tired but I would say that I have this like identity that I've built around myself for hard work and that I will outwork anyone um it's like uh, like so really interesting story that I don't know maybe makes me sound like a dick but um when <laughs> we were do you remember when we got that job at um Saatchi Gallery I think it was like a couple of years ago um you, yeah, you weren't the big on one, it. the overnight one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I came the next morning to do you the You came mornings, the next yeah. morning, that's right, yeah. yeah. So um, so we threw, what, like 20 artists at that, I think. Like, we, basically, we had Probably like... Probably in total, yeah. Yeah, we had these, like, huge, huge walls for, of Saatchi Gallery that we had to cover top to bottom. And I was the first one there and the last one to leave. And I was the only person that, like, wasn't getting paid to do it like other than like you and yonder do you know what I mean us that, that we're on a wage yeah, yeah. like um and I outworked everyone and that was a like, like a really interesting look for me at like all of these all of our like freelance artists and like they don't get me wrong they worked fucking hard like everyone busted yeah. their ass on that job like absolutely but I outworked everyone and it wasn't the money that was that was pushing me on because I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't a freelance. Like this was just, I'm on a salary. Yeah, this yeah. was the job that's in front of in front of me. And so that, that I think just speaks to my, like on my kind of need to always like be hardworking. And that was gradually how I got out of, of the funk of ME was like, okay, there's the, like the one variable that I can do is I can work hard and like, maybe I'll have to like sleep it off afterwards, but I, 
I can work hard and I just started to build that into my identity um but but still very cloudy um because of culture and everything around me not telling me that there was a light at the end of the tunnel or there was a way out it's like you're going to get over this whatever sleeping disease that you have to go into a nine to five and live this kind of regular person life that wasn't very exciting to me and if you go back now and speak to that kind of younger person of you who wasn't well at the time what would you say to them is there anything you reckon you could have got yourself out of it quicker yeah man i'd just go back and give them our podcast like i just go <laughs> david this is you in in like this is you in the future at that point it felt like so few people were capable of doing something amazing with their lives um and now it doesn't feel like that like like every week we put out an episode with someone who is doing something amazing with their life we have done like if you look back on the last 10 years the places that we've gone the people that we've seen like it just fills me with joy like literally the stuff that we have been able to do and i think that that question of of what would you tell your younger self is is always the same it really is like don't worry it'll work out because as soon it's like yeah it's like anything that we do now we know it it'll succeed or it'll fail but like the success will be in the doing of it i didn't know that then all i saw was like people going well that won't work and so that's really scary so i just would just be that one voice that would go like no fucking do it because something will happen but if you don't do anything nothing will happen you will just be in this regular like fucking plodding along Disney Pixar have just released a new movie called Soul and it's like it's our podcast in a movie it's fucking incredible and like I don't want like everyone go and watch it I'm not going to spoil it but like literally if you're listening to this podcast you need to fucking watch this movie it's everything that we try and teach in this podcast and I don't want to turn into the big black monster with the wobbly arms like that was what was happening I was being like consumed with you've got to do a proper sensible boring job and that was not what I wanted to do so I'd just go back and just go yeah fucking follow your dreams like you're you're not always going to feel this shit you're you're not always gonna wonder what you could be like you can do something like a lot of that goes to kind of if you can't see it you can't be it and I think if we think about today we have so much inspiration around us about things that we can go and do in the world because we can just open Instagram and there's someone who is an expert at something and is kind of is now doing that for their full-time job but yeah growing up when there wasn't the internet you could only really see what was around you and and I think yeah it's so important to like to realize that if you're alive today and you've got the internet you're so fortunate in the fact that you can see so many different things actually that you can actually go and do whereas yeah like when we were growing up and I suppose most people listening to this growing up there wasn't really there wasn't that out there to to be like okay well oh I could go and become a professional graffiti artist because that just wasn't a thing or even if it was a thing you didn't you couldn't see it because there wasn't the means to actually go to show you that this is possible yeah absolutely I I opened the Nike app yesterday and there was fucking a, a, a whole piece on the Nike app about start with why Simon Sinek and I was just like fuck these conversations are going mainstream 
Like yeah. well, two years ago, we were talking about Start With Why and it was like a niche thing that no one had heard about. Now it's on the fucking Nike app. Like, yeah. I'm not, I, I mean, I can't say no one had heard about it, but do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't being talked about in mainstream circles. Like movies being made about finding your passion. Like, fuck. Like that is going to empower a whole generation of new people who are going to come into this world with like hope of of and and aspiration and those are so fucking powerful like i had nothing like gray clouds and fucking like you're never gonna make it that was the message that was the prevailing message if you're not the elite few that are chosen and picked and that that takes the control away from you whereas now it's like no you 100 percent you are the driver and if you do a few things like Things will come back to you and like you you don't have to be chosen. You can fucking make yourself be noticed. That's amazing. Yeah. Man. I think I think what that's one really great thing that's come out of the whole wellness movement and industry and mindfulness that people have started talking about over the past few years. Well, it's obviously been talked about for a long time, but as that's gone mainstream, I think personal development is going a mainstream route as well. And people realise that they don't have to just follow a system that everyone else has done before. That it is so possible to actually take it upon yourself to learn these things because everything like everything that we know everything that anyone you like like and aspire to be like knows is out there and I think so much of it is in books which is like a brilliant tool so much of it is on YouTube like there's so many places now to go online and find ways to better yourself to move to what you want to do in the future or like find what you want to do in the future because it's obviously like going back to what you were saying before there wasn't you couldn't just like think, oh, that's what I'm going to do in the future, unless it was a really obvious job that everyone around you, you could see in like in your day-to-day life. But yeah, I think just the potential, the potential now is amazing. And I feel like it will be so interesting to see what happens over the next couple of generations, because I feel like we're at a bit of a turning point in the moment with people being like, actually, I can do something more interesting than what maybe I was kind of set out to do. Yeah, 100%. It's really exciting. Cool. So let's move move this on slightly. We'll have a, a little fun round here. Uh, if you started a business today for only a thousand pounds, what would that look like? I love this question. It's like it's so exciting. Like with this, I, I'm presuming that all I have is a thousand pounds. I don't have my flat. Um, I don't yeah. have my internet connection. I don't have anything. So um, I would call around and find. Um, friends that I could sleep on their sofas um I know 100% that Jay would let me go and sleep in his studio (laughs) so that would be my base and then I would have no rent to worry about um I would buy paint with the a thousand pounds and then I would basically do what I've done since lockdown um which is create content for the internet um and I would sell paintings um I I think I think what, what, so my career this last year, um, paint wise has gone incredibly like under my own name for the first time ever, because everything before we'd done under the name of the company. And one of the interesting things was that when we started the company, we had to take every single job because we had to eat. Um, And so in this scenario, it would probably be similar, but where I'm in the stage of currently is so counterintuitive. It's like, I've I've said no to a couple of brands. I got contacted by a like by a car brand. It doesn't fit with me. Big money, but it's an, like 
I turned it down because it's not what I want to be doing. Um, but interestingly, when you and and so I'm, I've priced my canvases high, um, and the the absolute temptation would be if I've only got a thousand pounds to start with, would be to price my canvases affordably. But then I'd be trying to sell ten canvases where I could just sell one canvas, and I think that. This, this is, it's a big thing that comes down to pricing and I think a lot of creatives get it wrong. It's like you have so much less struggle to sell one canvas to the right client who's willing to pay a decent amount for it. Um, so my canvases currently are going for 1,500 um, to about three grand. And it's like that client doesn't come around every day, but they come around enough to make it, worthwhile yeah you know so it's like because i i don't want to just be painting a thousand canvases a day to to like pump them out to in order to keep the lights on so although that temptation would be there if i just started with a thousand pounds i would try and price my work high and find the high-end clients that are willing to pay for that and then everything else would just be the same answer that you gave last week in terms of like being in the places where those people are um, and so currently, and I think that's what I love about street art is that like, it's so accessible. It's every time I paint in the street, it's a, it's an advert for me, but also like it's a gift and you don't have to buy my work. Like, yeah. Um, and, and, and like still, I still think that like 2000 pounds is affordable. It's, it's fucking expensive but it is also affordable. If you really, really want an original, then like I've had people come to me who have like have saved their money for a long time to in order to get one. Um, and then I'm also doing prints, which is kind of like to, to free more people, but you can still just enjoy my work by going and seeing it for free. So I really like that whole, that whole like scale of like, you've got your patrons, your patrons are supporting you. They're allowing you to keep making the work. By making the work, you are, giving it out to free to to most people like building an audience but at the same time you are able to survive and then keep sort of building along that road um so so yeah so a lot of it is i do feel like i did start from scratch this year um and i mean i can i can go into that if you want me to sort of talk about that journey yeah i think that'd be that'd be interesting like let's go into to what that looked like because a lot of people listening to this will be in a very similar scenario where their artists have been doing it for a certain amount of years and they'd like to turn that into a career. So what kind of blueprint could someone follow to be able to do that? So at the beginning of this year, um, 45, who's just been a guest on the show um, and another artist, Crooks, sat me down um, and another artist, Eddie, um, were all kind of saying to me, you should be painting your own stuff more. Um, because I would paint like once every six months, once a year, like I would do something for myself um, because everything for the past 10 years has just been around the business, around supporting our staff, around growing growing what we were growing. And beginning of this year, they sat me down. They were like, you need to do more stuff. And so I, I said, yeah, I'm going to. Okay, they kind of talked me into it and sort of made me feel bad for not for not doing it. They're like, you love this. You need to do it more. I was like, okay, cool. So... I thought I was painting a lot more by producing like one painting a month. Um, in February, I was painting on the roof of our studio and the drum and bass DJ legend actor 
TV presenter, whatever, Goldie, um, happened to be walking past and started shouting at me in the street. So um, I came down off the roof and had a chat with him and he, on the spot, kind of bought five paintings from me to um, put up in his gallery in Thailand. So that was kind of a, a huge sort of, I guess, endorsement of I'm creating a piece of art and this legendary figure um legend like street artist as well like one of the uk's first street artists like painting work in um in birmingham in the 80s like thought my work was worthy that he wanted five of my canvases in his gallery so that was kind of a big that that reinforced everything that the other guys had said to me that 45 was kind of banging on at me about like you need to produce your own work um but obviously was still running the business only really had time to create one or two paintings a, a month then we got this beautiful gift of COVID-19, um, <laughs> which which like, and, and I remember sort of the very, very early days of thinking, I can't just sit at home all day. I will go out of my brain if I do that. And our studio is 10 minutes from my house. So I just plotted up on the roof and just started painting. And I have spent ugh, like, so like I've done 97 pieces since um since the beginning of the year and if Ooh, I'd counted could you make that, that could you make that 100 well dude so I counted up for this interview because I was like oh, that'd be cool to drop in like how many paintings I've done because I was like I know it's a lot I had no idea it would be that many 97 yeah. is a fucking lot um and if I'd counted up earlier then I would have squeezed in three more paintings to get up to 100 in a year so that's my, my yeah. goal for next year is to do 100 <laughs> paintings but um but yeah, I did 97 paintings and I like I learned so much during that time through just through creating that work, um, through putting it out on the internet, um, growing this like huge following on Instagram. And I I'm I'm like so grateful for it. And and um, just to, just to cut in there, how many hours would does it take you to paint a piece on average? Between four and seven on average. So I because th- I think that's an interesting, like obviously going super mathsy with this. It's interesting to work out how much time this year you've put into it then. So say it was kind of, you've done almost 100 and then we say an average of five hours a piece. That's 500 hours you've put into painting and evolving this year. Fuck. I think if you're listening to this, it's really interesting to maybe like work out how many hours you've put in this year into your creative endeavor. Because I think sometimes if you're just doing it for an hour here, an hour there, you kind of it doesn't actually add up to as much as you think it does. Whereas actually, if you dedicate a certain amount of time to it consist- consistently, those like the fact you've made 97 and that's like, whoa, shit, that's actually a lot. It's yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to kind of just think about, okay, well, well, this is what I've done this year. And this is what someone else has done this year. How much have they achieved compared to how much have I achieved? And then bouncing out and be like, actually, well, actually, I've only put in 14 hours of work this year. So someone who's putting 500 of course they're going to be further down the down the line yeah i I mean everyone has got their own unique story and everyone's got their own their own problems and their own reasons slash excuses because they could be excuses but for for not being able to put in as much like as much work i mean for me i obviously like had to you like you have to sacrifice in order to put like that time and you have to sacrifice yeah. certain things there are only so many hours in a day 
Exactly. So, um, so that means that that Yona and I now have Bay Day on a Sunday. Like that's our day together because it's like I, me and Yona have gone from spending every single day together, every single day together for the last ten yeah. years working in the business to now I'm off painting every single day and she's working on stuff at home. So, um, so we realized, okay, it's important to, so we block off Sundays and Sundays is a no go. Like there's no podcast recordings. There's no, um, no me painting. There's like, there's nothing on those days. It's just time for us to, to spend together. My sister was talking to me about like certain video games and she was like, you should really play this. And I was like, I don't have time to do that. Yeah. So there's been lots of things in like with, with COVID, I've not been able to see my family. I haven't, so that's that's wiped that time commitment out. It's like I don't have to go and see my mum or my grandma. It's like we do a Zoom call, which I can do from my kitchen table, which takes 15 minutes, whereas it's like uh, seeing them would be a day. I'd go home, I'd go to my grandma's, I'd see everyone. Um, so so that's wiped out. I've not seen my friends. So um and and like I would multitask I've been I've been ringing mates while I've been painting I've just had my hands free doing a doing a mural painting my painting while chatting to my mates so um there's there's been I've I've I cut out all of the like junk food and I just focused on and it and then it comes back to a lot of it was within myself of like of of hard work of like outworking everyone I, I saw a post on um on someone's Instagram the other day saying like um, it, it was like a post of like the three walls that they painted this year and they've like oh because of COVID I haven't been able to paint anything and it's like because of COVID I've managed to paint 97 pieces motherfucker like, yeah I've gone out and I found boarded up shops um, painted over the front of those like the streets have been dead at certain times so I like I've been getting up at six in the morning at six in the morning that's when my identity has to kick in because when I'm wrapped up in my cozy covers, the last thing I want to do is go and be outside. And like, there has to be like, there has to be something driving you like, like, and that is my identity. It's like, what I want to do, this is the thing is like, I'm fucking lazy. Like if I let myself have my own way, then I'm a lazy motherfucker and I'd lie in bed. That's what I want to do. Like I want to do that more than I want to paint. But like I have to to build it in. Like no, you're you're hard. You're outworking everyone. Like get up, go and paint, and that that kicks in. And then I get out of bed. And like so, when I'm walking around the streets at six a.m. during like during a lockdown, like there's no one around. I can paint what I want, and it's like that has been so energizing for me during this whole time. And like I've I know so many people have had such negative experiences with this and I fully understand it. And I'm really empathetic and I'm I'm like I don't mean to sound like a dick, but I like have had a fucking amazing time. Like I've managed to create so much work and I've managed to work really fucking hard and I like that's been amazing. I think one thing you uh, touched upon there with the was the Bay Day. I feel like that's such a lovely idea and it's like what I kind of I've always kind of had that of being like, hey, this is work time, this is home time. How important do you think it has been to add that kind of like separation time for like, this is the time for this, this is the time for this? I think if you've, I mean, Yana and I have been together for like a decade, man. So so it's like, we we don't need to spend every minute with each other. We are like perfectly comfortable with our own time and, and we both support each other's creativity and and projects and whatever. And it's like, and we give each other space for that. But at the same time, like if you don't nurture a relationship, then 
it will fall apart and so that does take time and it's like yeah I'll be painting for five hours but there's 12 hours in a day like I'm still we're still going to have dinner together and uh, we're still like we're still going to see each other so um, I think yeah blocking off that time is really important and 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 I guess it comes down to to self-discipline of of they they say like and and it's something that creatives struggle with is for us to like to have timetables because we feel like that stifles our creativity but really you will produce so much more if because i i treated covid like work like i was going to work every single day yeah because if i treated it like this is my hobby and something i do for fun then i would pick it up when i felt like it and the difference was i pe- i picked it up even when i didn't feel like it because what like once i've actually got my paint bags out and i've found my wall or i'm or i'm on top of the studio or whatever it might be like then i'm calling the gang but <laughs> yeah but it's it's like that's because i'm i'm there and i start to get into flow and everything's everything's cool but it's that beforehand of when if if i'd not treated it like work if i'd just said oh i think i'll go, i'll try and do some paintings over lockdown it's like i would have done six paintings and i'd be moaning about it on instagram and I'd be moaning about it to 300 people. Like I started this year with 300 followers on Instagram and I'm ending it with nearly 50,000. So mm-hmm. like that, do you know I mean? That that doesn't happen unless you're, I, I would definitely say I, I look at other accounts and I see that my growth is down to I'm producing regular content. And I look at other artists' accounts that are producing like one painting a month or one every two weeks or something. And it's like, it's not enough for you to stay current in people's minds um and and just as a as a caveat to that as well obviously i don't measure everything on followers but it is kind of an interesting metric to look at and you can gauge that there's interest in your work when when this happens but yeah i think it's important to note that in august i had six thousand followers so the the explosion since then was through reels some of my reels got shared by instagram which just like blew my account um and and one piece of content that i produced there's one painting that if you looked at the views for all of my stuff this one painting probably is 90 percent of the people that have seen my work have seen this one painting because sometimes you will just create a piece of content that just hits it just resonates um that piece has probably i mean will have been viewed tens of millions of times because it's had 1.5 million views on my account and it's been shared on gigantic accounts that i've had many many more millions than than i've had um so but i but so that reels thing that was luck it was also like right place right time but i was creating like i was viciously creating as much content as possible yeah so i was in the right place at the right time but my goal was 10k by the end of by the end of the year and and, and if i'd if we take out the reels, I probably would have got to 10K. Like that's kind of like the average that it, it would have worked out at. And I think that everyone says that 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 growing on Instagram is impossible and it's dead and, and all of that. And it's like, no, I've, I've done this for long enough. Like I have the right content. Like it is still possible. I grew in the last year. I grew to 50,000 luckily with reels, but it would have been 10K. And I think for any of our listeners, like getting to that 10K point is like, it's, it's a really massive landmark that people should believe is possible because I've fucking done it. It's like, do you know what I mean? It's like that, yeah, that was yeah, another yeah. thing that kind of fed into the COVID thing is like, let me, I talk about all of this stuff on, 
on the podcast every week like yes we've got our businesses that have been successful that we've been working on over the past 10 years but let but let me prove it let me go let me say to all of the listeners like i've fucking done this so that means that you can obviously, obviously you kind of had that big real hit that kind of went completely viral like i remember being sat on my phone and like looking over at lucy's phone and seeing your reel pop up on her phone just like on the explore page or something Amazing. which was like mad it's kind of like hearing someone overhearing someone on the train talk about your work or something um with that one that went big did you kind of then think well i'm going to try and make more things like this to kind of try and get that hit again once it had kind of worked well and then also what do you do to kind of keep stuff fresh because obviously you found this style that is working so well what do you do to stop yourself getting bored of that the the funny thing about the one that absolutely blew up is that halfway through painting it i phoned jonna uh, as i often do and said i think i'm just going to black this out it's not going well and she went you're being an idiot as usual just carry on with it and it will work itself out <laughs> which it which it always does and i listened to her and it did but um kind of mad that i nearly packed it in halfway through and just blacked it out and just just didn't bother with it um because I think you never, like, I didn't know that I had a smash hit on my hands. Like, you never know, um, which it, which which then goes to the, like, to, to being fucking voracious. It's like I saw a tweet the other day that was saying, like, of the thousands of paintings that Van Gogh has done, a hundred are well known. And it's like, there's there's something to be said for that. Like, I've done 97 pieces. It's like, some of those are going to hit, some of them aren't. And it's, and you never know which is going to hit. So... Um, I made a conscious decision not to try and replicate the painting that did really well. Um, all of my stuff like fits within a similar sort of style, but, um, but the the one that really blew up was the girl like kind of holding a ring ring light that I'm. I, I found a photograph and I messaged the photographer and I was like, I'd love to paint this. Um, but I I haven't replicated anything similar to that photo since because. I don't want to just become, I don't want to become a slave to the algorithm. I want to create the work that I want to create. It, it like we do always need to remember Toby Shinobi's Venn diagram of doing something you love that intersects with what is commercially viable if you want to be a creative as a profession. Yeah. But I didn't want to get caught in a trap of just doing the same shit over and over again because I think it would just be boring. How important is it for you to, for your artwork to be accepted by other people rather than just making it for yourself. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I paint, painted my first neon piece in 2018 and then and then sat on the idea for for 2 years really. I I did a couple of pieces in the meantime and then and then a few more in January and February and then and then like mental after that. Didn't think that it would be accepted because it's fucking neon pink. Like I just did not think that that would be as successful as it has been um, because that's fucking ridiculous. Like, I, I think I I really liked it because um, I hate all the bullshit and bravado of the graffiti scene, and which, which I'm definitely distanced from. I would definitely probably class myself as a street artist now, um, but they overlap so much. And I think there's so much bullshit in that world that I was like, everyone's like trying to be like fucking cool and fucking macho and whatever and I was just like let's paint neon pink it's fucking obnoxious really like it's so bright like when you walk down the street like you cannot help but miss it and I think that's one thing that I sort of brought from 
like without a doubt, I was a graffiti artist for 10 years um, from 18 to 28 when we first started our business. Um, but, and, 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 I, and during that time, I definitely learned stuff that I bring to my street art that probably other street artists don't because they've not got a graffiti background. So one of those things is like just relentless repetition of like, you mm-hmm. can't really miss my work in Shoreditch. Like, um, and I, I know that that works because I know it from graffiti and painting in neon pink is like, you're going to see my stuff. Um, and so, miss it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that, that was a sort of another thing that I brought from that. But um, the, I thought that I would build a small following of people that were interested in what I was doing. Like, a, and, and, I mean, in theory, I have. Like, there's millions of people in the world and and a tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny percentage Comparatively, of Comparatively, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 follow me. Um, but it is actually exponentially bigger than I ever expected it to be. Um, I I mean, when, when I set my goal of getting 10K followers by the end of the year, that was fucking audacious because I believe that you should set really ridiculous goals um, and that was one of them. I was like 10K followers because I knew that that was really going to be hard, um, which sounds ridiculous now that it that I've, I've smashed through it. But um, I, I honestly didn't think many people would like it, but I thought I'll make it for the ones that do. And that's all that I need. Um, but it just turns out more people liked it than I expected. To the stage where I got contacted by Shaquille O'Neal's people that he really liked my work and and now Shaq has one of my paintings hanging in his house. Someone sent me <laughs> a uh, someone sent me a screen grab of a YouTube video that um, I think his kids have got a YouTube channel or something. Anyway, there's my painting in the background hanging in Shaq's house. It's just like that is fucking incredible. So um, so yeah, make work, put it out. Like you may expect that people are not gonna like it, but like you never fucking know. Like like Shaq like mad that is mad i can't like literally can't believe that Shaq has your painting hanging in his house just just absolutely mental well it's, it's um, interesting because when we were doing an intro you were like do you want to talk about the Shaq thing and i was like no because i would talk about the Shaq thing if it delivered value to the audience but if we were talking about it in intro it would have just been a brag so here's yeah. where i would have talked about it if i'd been dming loads of celebrities and i i emailed 500 people and Shaq got back then I would be like, look, here's proof that you you put it out, you put it out. And and whereas they found this flag like just by finding my Instagram, so I didn't have to put the effort in of contacting. But I only would have spoken about it in an intro if it delivered value. So I only would have said, this is how I got a celebrity to, to post a picture of them holding one of my paintings. Um, yeah. But I, but I didn't mention it because they got in contact with me. So that was, yeah, that was what happened there. What would you do if you couldn't paint outside? Um, I've thought about this because um, luckily we have the the roof on top of the studio, um, and when it was when we were like lockdown, lockdown, I was like, I don't want to be going outside and and getting in people's way or whatever, yeah. like because I don't want to unnecessarily spread the virus. So, um, so I was thinking like, what if we have like a completely rainy summer or whatever? I'd just work on canvas. Like I, I prefer painting outside because it has more energy. Um, certain like certain spots where I know I have to be like quick to paint them is a real like experience that, that I enjoy. But um, <laughs> but like if if not, I would paint on canvas um, and I would 
find I would find something to love about painting indoors. And in terms of like getting that scene, would what would you do to get that out there? Because obviously a lot of our listeners won't be mural artists, street artists, like used to being paint painting things that the public will see regularly. So what would you do to get stuff out into the public if you didn't have that as a as a medium? So we had James Lewis on the show. Uh, he's got a million followers on Instagram. He just posts videos of his of his process. And I I think when I was making my videos, he was someone that I was definitely looking to and I learned a lot from in terms of how I present my my videos out to the world, um, which was just th- came through practicing and doing TikToks and just just yeah working out how to create the video because I know how to create the artwork but then how do I present the artwork to the world so you've got to think like most people have not been out and about like thousands more people would have seen my work in the streets if we'd not been during the middle of a pandemic but um where I've where people have seen my work for the most part is online so it it really wouldn't make a difference it's just I'd I'd maybe I think people are impressed by the scale of outside mm-hmm. pieces so i'd have to maybe work out something that i could do on canvas that would it's all about capturing people's imagination at the end of the day james lewis all you do all you see is his paintbrush traveling along and that is enough that that it has inspired people so f- work out what that is just and that just comes from relentlessly practicing and making lots and lots of work uh, and you've kind of touched upon there about the videos that you make like most of the way the world will see your work will be through the videos that you've created what do you think makes a good video of art i never would have said this before but process i never would have um posted videos of me like sketching up um i use a doodle grid system that seems to fascinate people for me it's so boring i i was always like why would you want to look at a painting halfway through when it looks shit because it only looks good at the end like that blew my mind so um so process people are fascinated by process they want to see you starting from nothing and creating something from that so just document what you do people love it so obviously there's a perception change there between how you view videos and what, what makes a good video uh, one, one thing that my perception has definitely changed on is you <laughs> um so when we first met 10 years ago um you were a very grumpy miserable <laughs> character uh, whereas now I would see you as completely the opposite. Um, what do you think made that change, and how do you think that? We came have already about? discussed. I had I had five years of chronic fatigue syndrome under my belt, or ME, or whatever you you might call it. I think I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders of everything that I'd been up to at that to that point. Um, I had all of that time of being lost, depressed, not knowing what I was going to do with my life, feeling like I should do something. Um, my, my sister died in my arms, um, which had a obviously devastating impact. Um, I lost a relationship that was like that, that kind of young love of like all consuming, like the, like my beacon, my world or whatever. Um, I have like a much more comfortable love with Yona than, than I had in this relationship that was just like intense and crazy and shouty and like just us not understanding humans yet um yeah and and i'd i'd lost that one of my um one of my good friends died in a car wreck um so the the decade before i met you was a 
very difficult decade and I think I was I was cautious um, which you have uh, interpreted as grumpy uh, but and, and, and like yeah you're you're probably quite right I probably it probably does come across as grumpy but I was I was very cautious of like I had so much loss around me and also I had culture and people that I loved telling me that what we were doing was a bad idea and so I really did want to prove everyone wrong and we were starting off this business and we were really putting ourselves out there we're putting ourselves on the line like we had we had no other options it was like make this work or or like don't eat or go and get boring jobs and we all knew that we didn't want to go and get boring jobs and so I had I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and I think what changed was probably to some degree the success that we saw in a relatively short amount of time Um, certainly after three years things started to click into place and we started to feel less mad and we started to feel more like no we were right all along we did have a good idea here the crazy crazy fucking insane thing about the human brain is that if you believe something it's true yeah how mental is that whatever you believe is true so if you can believe like whatever you believe about yourself is true because you believe it to be true so I wanted people to be happier around me than not around me. Like I wanted them to be happy in my company. And so that just became a journey of, and that was being inspired by, particularly by members of, of staff that, that we've had over the years who were like beautiful, happy people that I felt happy to be around them. And I just gradually started to, remind myself of instead of looking at everything that can go wrong in a situation looking at everything that could go right and I started saying how is this the best thing that has ever happened and trying to look at the positives even in a negative situation and that was just a mindset flip of working out the person that I wanted to be and I think that we can all become the person that we want to be if we just actually do some thinking about it and actually craft that identity around yourself and and like we nearly got in a row with will store over it of of like his kind of view and like obviously the most respect in the world to will store but he really sort of believes that our characters are set and i think there is scientific data around like i mean i'm i'm never going to be this this kind of like I'm never going to be not who I am. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like we have much more control than we're led to believe. And and because Will Storr's whole thing was like, you're never going to be Beyonce and you should stop. You should stop trying to think that. And yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think like you should aspire to be Beyonce, like, or your version of Beyonce, like whatever it is that is, that success is to you, craft your identity around that. And, and so that just came with, getting becoming older becoming more mature not wanting to get the my behavior like completely concrete and set and unable to change wanting to be positive and happy and i think so much of of my joy recently has come from this podcast like getting messages from people like realizing that i can impact and change people's lives 
without them having to say anything without them even like there's so many people that we know are successes through yeah. through listening to this show that have never got in contact and that's a really beautiful feeling of just knowing that the work we're creating the content that we're creating is changing people's lives so i i have a purpose now and i have belief that we are doing the right thing in the world and that makes me really happy whereas i didn't have a I didn't have any success when we started the business. I just had a a vision of what could be. But now because yeah. we know that everything that we do, we can make it work. It's like that comes with a certain degree of happiness and less trepidation and less less fear of taking the step. Whereas back when you met me, I was filled with fear. I feel like we've kind of come around full circle now because it almost feels like maybe you actually haven't changed as a person because back when you were in the bed, it was like you still believed that you could be something great. You just didn't know what that was and you didn't know how to get there. You were kind of in this lost state. Whereas yeah. now you've got the confidence through experience of exactly what that looks like. And you now know how to set yourself up for something. So it's like whatever you wanted to do in the future, you know that if I can create the idea and have this vision of what I want to become, I now have the confidence to push through to get there. Whereas when you first started, you didn't have that. And I think that was very evident, especially at the start in your um, kind of cautiousness, because I remember everything that we did, there would you would definitely have that like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't want to do that because it might be a risk and I might lose everything. And that goes, that's fully understandable based on, on your past beforehand. But now I think if we were in that same situation and we couldn't afford something, you would be like, yeah, let's just go for it because I believe that we can do it. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's just come from time and experience. And I hope that someone listening to this can take it from our experiences. And at the end of the day, that's what the show is about, is not having to worry too much yourself because there are so many case studies of everyone else who has taken that leap, who did feel yeah. that fear, but but jumped anyway. So that you can, because we didn't have that. And if we'd yeah. had that, we'd had tangible examples that we could look at, I would have felt less fear because I would have seen it and I would have gone, well, they did it. We can do it. So on the on the topic of having a vision, what do you see the future of um, Creative Rebels evolving as post-COVID? I want to get better. Uh, I've noticed that I have this thing that Stormzy has, and I know, and it's mostly in interviews. I get ahead of an, myself. An, an incredible rap talent. Uh, other than my incredible <laughs> rap talent is um, is I have this thing where my brain is working faster than my mouth and sometimes I start asking a question to a guest that ends up with a completely different question. I do this like whole ramble fucking blah, 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 blah and it's me processing out loud and I want to get better at that and I want to get more eloquent at that. I think that we can help people live a more beautiful life and that is fucking magic to me. I think that creatives are fucking heroes. I think it is fucking brave to be creative. And I want to instill that bravery in people. I want them to go, fuck, yes, I can do this. That is so intoxicating for me. So the way I see it evolving is like, I want to do more access. I want to do more, um, like more bringing the community together. Uh, I just want to grow it. I want to reach more people. Like if you're listening to this, you can help us do that. You can share this with people. You can tell people about it. Um, 
if you believe what we believe, that, I mean, we called this show Creative Rebels. Like, it shouldn't be rebellious to be creative. And I think it's, yeah. and with with movies like Soul, it's going to become less rebellious. But it's still, it's still always going to be, there's always going to be, be people on your shoulder going, are you sure? Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. And like, fucking just live your life. Do not get held back by that bullshit. I want to spread that and I want to help as many people as we can. And I think this show is good. I think it's fucking good, man. I think like, I think that if people listen to what we're really saying and what our guests are saying and they really start to act and they really start to work fucking hard and sacrifice and put the time in, they can create a beautiful life for themselves. And that is, that sets me on fire, dude. So I just want to keep creating this show with you and I want to grow it and I want to travel the world with it. And I think all of these things are possible. Thank you so much for this. This has been really fun. And I think we should definitely do more, more things like this in future because it is just a great way to just go into each other's minds. Yeah, um, I suppose it's a deep, people... it's a real deep dive intro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where can people find you online? They can find me at David Speed UK on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. Boom. See ya.